When I was in the university, uh, 96 to 2000, there was someone who was a great presence on this campus, uh, and uh, I would cross paths once in a while. We competed in strollers, and um, but we found union in the fact that we both believed in Jesus and shared the Catholic faith. And uh, upon arriving here, one of the first students that I met was uh, her nephew, Evan Furman. And it was quite a surprise to have all of the recollections come back from those days and uh, discover that his dad, too, was a student here at the university and belonged at the Newman Center, lived here at the Newman Center. Uh, and what a welcome grace it is today to welcome uh, uh, Emily and Evan's parents, uh, the Furmans, to Mass today. Uh, two generations. Go Yotes. <laughs> But isn't it good for us to be provoked by uh, the bison and provoked by the jackrabbits and provoked by others to really go deeper into what it is that makes us belong someplace? To know that we have a place in which uh, we start, but that we're always drawn deeper into what is it that makes us belong? Who is it that makes us belong? What attributes help us know that this is a place for us? And ultimately, we go deeper and realize that union with Christ makes us brothers and sisters and When we discover the life of Christ alive within us, we discover that every person we meet is a brother and sister created by the one who loves and sustains us. Too often times they don't know who he is. They don't know the sustaining grace that he provides. They don't know the peace that is possible in this world. It's also possible that you as students don't know that peace either. Or that at times in your lives you seem to miss or get caught up in other things that maybe are good in themselves, but we don't go deeper into what it is that we really need. And uh, thinking in light of the gospel today, we can live sometimes as if uh, life is a drudgery here, right? I have to live as poor Lazarus here, and then when I get to heaven, I'll get my reward. A drudgery that sort of says, yes, it's a carry your cross, carry your cross, offer it up, offer it up. And that's one way in which many people have lived the gospel. But the fact that Jesus Christ has come today means that the second reading is a gift that is to be ours, that we might receive devotion, that we might receive faith and love and peace and gentleness, that we might know that tenderness that comes to those who are weak and poor. Our first reading reminds us of the temptation to complacency saying this great uh, acclamation, the prophet Amos is saying, woe to you who are complacent. Complacency in his day and complacency in ours can take on different attributes. And so too for us in front of the provocations of our lives, in front of the wounds, in front of the times in which we maybe feel like we are the one who are begging, can find ways to satiate that urge to quiet that yearning, to cancel out that longing that uh, provokes us and pains us often. How is it that our lives become complacent? I was thinking uh, the last couple mornings, there's only one problem that I've found most often uh, here at the university in Vermilion at the Newman Center. They don't have Starbucks in town, or they don't have caribou coffee in town. 
right, that really bothers me. <laughs> right? I have three options for Starbucks, but where is Caribou? Don't they know that Caribou has burnt coffee? It's like too bitter. Right? I got scooters, I got Einstein, I got all kinds of options. I mean, talk about complacency. <laughs> right? There's other ways in which we are filled with riches in our lives. Yes, the gospel calls us to the poor, but we never understand what it is to serve the poor until we discover that we are Lazarus, that we have a poverty we don't want to admit. Right? Friendships. You guys are rich in friendships. Right? Friendships maybe that you had from high school and you'll come here. Maybe you're already rich in friendships just upon coming here. Or you're a couple years in and you've found your group, where it is that you belong, right? to your living arrangements. I mean, none of you should ever complain about where you live. Right? Do you know the place that's condemned? It's all like surrounded by a fence and they're going to tear it down. That's where I lived. Right? You have riches. Like the way they're trying to serve you and meet your needs is just incredible. And your studies, you wouldn't be at the university if you didn't have an academic rigor that allowed you to come and to be here. Right? And you have families of particular ways. You have people that have loved you. And maybe your family you feel like isn't what it should be or it's broken in some way. But you have at least one person in your life that has loved you. How many people in this world have no one? Grow up in trash heaps in India or in third world countries. Grow up in the streets just trying to find a way to survive. No one ends up in those places because they choose. But complacent people can think that what we have is because we chose it. Because of us. And the truth of the matter is what we have is gift. And it's easy to become complacent in those many things. It's a natural thing to do. It's not time to kick yourself or to think you're eat, right? I, I'd like, it's my life. We live in the West. But the heart is made the same all around the globe. And your heart will never rest. It will always be longing. It will always be wanting. It'll always be desiring something more. And even the good things that you have, when you have that perfect cup of coffee, you're either going to long to have it again or you're going to be on a search to figure out who else can make it happen. To have that beautiful friendship in your life and maybe somehow space or time or distance or change of life makes, makes it change. You're always going to be longing, looking for another. And even that best friend that you have, right? You can't get enough. And all of those things can make us complacent and not live out of that cry of the poor. Not realizing that I am like Lazarus, begging for something. And at times we don't even know what that begging is. And you know what? It doesn't matter. If we understand who he is. Because the longing inside of us is given to us that we might need him. 
See, the problem with the readings today isn't going to just be the consequences of what happens. The problem with the readings today is we are here as concrete flesh in the name of Jesus Christ to say, hey, there's something more than coffee and friendship and where you live and all of your family. There's the one that gave you all these things. And so when those things don't answer our need, it's a time to go deeper. To go deeper in the search for who it is that makes you happy. What it is that fulfills your life. Where it is that you are going. And why it is that you are here. And complacency covers up those things. But it's hard to yearn. It's hard to feel like a beggar. It's hard to be in emptiness. Right? And it's all nice when it's in a little homily and it's all, oh, this is all good, right? But like, where is the place that you're running from? That's what I'm talking about. What's the thing you hate when someone else brings up? That's what I'm talking about. What's the ways in which you're trying to like steer clear of something? That's what I'm talking about. When you're alone in your dorm room at the end of the night, what is it that wells up inside of you? What longing do you have? That's what I'm talking about. Right in that place, Jesus wants you. And sometimes he doesn't answer us when we're like, hey, hey. And all that the time requires, all of the patience that needed, just purifies us that right when the moment is needed, he will show himself. And so sometimes we must be patient. Right? When we speak about the dog eaten from the scraps of the table, how often do we leave the table instead of staying there and barking? <laughs> God, I'm not going anywhere. Right? Instead of running for the next thing, to keep crying out, Lord, I really need you. And this is the essence of prayer. Right? We talked about prayer last week, and God does answer our prayers. And there are many ways that we should pray, but at its heart, Prayer is not something I do. Prayer is someone I recognize is with me. And then I say, thank you. To surrender is to discover one whose hands are holding you and to then stay there. You ever had those moments in prayer where you're filled with peace and joy and faith and love? How difficult it is to just sit still and receive. But this is what we're made for, is to sit still and to receive. To receive the awareness of your identity. And when you do, there's nowhere to go. Because you already have the one who gives you everything. And in that relationship, you get filled. Right? And times of prayer when these moments happen, right? Maybe you don't even know it's the name of Jesus yet. Maybe you don't even know it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But in that moment when maybe tears come down your eyes and you don't know where it's coming from or a sudden surprise fills your heart or you feel tugged and called to a certain place or something, right? Who is this doing this to you? Maybe he's alive and among us today. And maybe he wants you to go deeper into the things that you're complacent in to find him. And when friendships don't work out, then you got to find friendship with him. 
And when the living arrangement you thought was going to be perfect, suddenly you find out that the person next door snores, then you got to go deeper and find him. When the family that you have is exactly what you thought you wanted and then you discover it's something different and it doesn't seem to pan out right, then you got to discover the family of God that you belong to because of him. And in finding him, you find everything. And then out of the richness of his love and out of the richness of his grace and out of the richness of his peace, then wherever you go, you just give whatever it is that he gave you. And the peace that's in your heart sort of bumps up against those that you meet. And then your inadequacies aren't a place that you need to shame yourself or you need to condemn the world. Your inadequacies are just a place where you say, Lord, you better show up if you want something done here. In great things and in little things, Jesus wants friendship with you. And in him, you will find everything. And yes, then it will be a search to discover how do we have this happen all the time? And the answer to that, then, my friends, is eternal life. But to taste it, you don't have to wait, because he's here. And he'll be here in a very particular way very soon. Might your place of difficulty cause you to beg from this table that he might fill you and touch your heart and provide you a peace and a joy, and a patience and a goodness that helps you know you have friendship with him. And when we leave here, might we be confident that wherever it is we go, we have the possibility of transmitting the same thing that's been given to us. And then you'll be more capable of staying present to people who are also inadequate and also poor and also begging and also needy. Because you will see in them not problems that you have to answer, but people who need to be encouraged to stay right in that place and turn together with us and beg for him. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.